Yo, 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 this your boy Young Weez on that Deep in the South kicking up top game. But this time I done took it to another part of the motherfucking world. I'm in Oakland with my man FBCC. If you haven't heard of him, he is FBCC at FBCC on Instagram, Bay Area. He's killing the sneaker game. He's been killing it for over 20 years now. But now he has his own sneaker line, the VV1s, Valley Victorian, and... The sneakers is fucking dope, but what I like even more than the sneakers is the experience that you get when you cop the sneakers. I mean, I'm talking about it's really a graduation. You got music. You get your kicks. You get a certificate. You get a diploma, a VV1 certified diploma. But let me just get all the way into it. My longtime friend, he's going to be new to y'all. I'm glad he's doing this podcast because he's super duper popular. And let's get into it. My nigga, D-Nice. What it do, what it do, what's good man, what's good, thanks for having me Weez Um, let's just get right, right into it nigga I know you for a long time, so let's talk about When we met and you was customizing in Miss Tony's crib With like a thousand pair of Jordans And you was doing something different to every fucking pair of Jordans that was there <coughs> Well pretty much it started Cause uh, I just wanted to be different I didn't want to look like everybody else so initially, it was just a way for me to stand out from looking like everybody else amongst my peers. And then, like, the uh, more I started doing it, the more people kept, like, asking me where I got my shoes from. So I was like, you know, I can turn this, you know, get some monetary gain off of this. So that's when I had started, like, really doing it for for others. So, like, I used to do, I did uh, a couple rappers. I was the uh, Cormega, Jada, T.I. And this is, like, before social media. This was all by word of mouth. People would fly up to New York to, uh, you know, I, I had my, in Footland, Footland and Jamaica Avenue, they would let me post pictures of my work. And then when people would go there, because, you know, everybody wanted to go to Jamaica Avenue, they always had this, the Jordans two weeks before they came out and stuff like that. So they would see my poster and have my phone number, and then they would reach out to me. So I was getting a lot of customers uh, that way. So that's pretty much, like, uh, you know, how it started. That's, like, the crux of the beginning of it. No, but let's let's be clear, though, because I, I know there's a lot of customizers out there that call themselves customizers. You weren't just... Taking a marker or or, or or some paint and drawing on some okay. scene. You were really replacing materials. Take let's get into that. Yeah. How you All right. So when I first started, I just started by uh painting shoes. I started painting like and and I would only do Jordans and nobody would, you know, do that to their Jordans and nobody was painting shoes at the time. So when people would see me with my painted Jordans, they'd be like, yo, where'd you get those from? So I'd be like, I you know, my sister's in the army in Germany and this is the Jordans that's out there. So after about two years of me doing that, other people started figuring out and started painting their shoes. Now I started seeing people who had like really, uh, who was really dope artists who could paint portraits on shoes. Like I was like, I can't compete with that. So I said, what could I do to step the game up again? So what I did was I started taking shoes apart and remaking them with luxury fabrics like snakeskin, alligator, and getting more creative. I was like, I may not be able to paint a picture, but I could sew a picture on a pair of shoes. So, and then it'll look better than paint, and then paint will also crack. When you sewing the shoe over, you like reupholstering it. So now you're really giving it a brand new look, and now that's where you really, you know, take the game to a whole different level. That's facts. That's facts. But but see, nigga, we both from the hood. Like, what makes a nigga from the hood get to know fabrics and and know the difference between snakeskin and alligator skin, man? Things like that. Well, my mom was a, a seamstress, and out of all her kids, I'm the only one who, like, got her talent. And I, when I was young, like, at six years old, my mom would put me on a train when we, we, when we lived in uh, Brownsville. 
I would go on a train to Manhattan to the garment district with fabric swatches. And I would have to take it to the different fabric stores. She'd be like, I need five yards of this, three yards of this. And at six years old, I was picking fabrics for my mom because I was like, the, I, since I was the baby and I was a baby by eight years and 10 years to my next two sisters, I always w- was with my mom. So I would tag along at these fabric stores and I would learn it just by being there with her. So she wouldn't even send my older sister to get the stuff because they didn't have a passion for it. They didn't care. I always wanted to please my mom. So I always made sure I got exactly what she wanted. And then at six years old, I always used to talk them down. So like, it'd be like $5 a yard. I'd be like, ah, let me get it for $4 a yard. So, you know, they'd they be like, you know, uh, $4 a yard. And they laughing because like, this little kid is sitting here like talking us down on fabric. You know, so it was cute at the time, you know. But they knew like I was my mom's son and they, they would do it because my mom's was like really ordered a lot of stuff so it was just like a funny thing but i would always get it for that two dollars off a yard just because they thought it was like super cool okay so now that can hit me that's okay i'm in the yay area let me just let all my uh my listeners know i'm definitely sipping on some um some uh green dragon green <laughs> dragon you know it's some it's liquidized uh THC. <laughs> yeah THC we'll say that THC whatever fuck it it don't even matter but yeah that's what I'm sipping on right now so it's a little different we still got a whole bottle of Henny so we gonna do this whole podcast thing so we just got finished talking about how you know your mom is who pretty much introduced you to the fabrics and you know how uh you basically got into the customizing game but what I really want to know is what made it like a real passion for you. Because I know you for a long time. You you definitely artistic because you cut hair. Uh, you make clothes. You draw. You rap. You, you, you definitely, as far as being an artist, I feel like you've done hit every angle that Kanye is crying about. <laughs> That's a fact. That's really a fact, though. So now, uh, what made it a passion to you... No, I know it's a passion, it's something you love, but what made it got what got you to the point where you was like, you know what? Fuck all these other niggas sneakers. I'm making my own. So it came to the part where I'm like, you know, you're doing all these sneakers and stuff like that, and that I, I was working with Under Armour uh, as like an independent contractor, and then I just noticed how oh, like I gotta interrupt real quick. Working for Under Armour um, as an independent contract, independent contractor. That Super Bowl year, that Cam went to the Super Bowl. Check out them them joints he wore for the Super Bowl. The Superman, I don't curry know what tools. they call them. The curry tools. The curry tools. Just if y'all get a chance, just check yeah. those out. Yeah. Those, that that's FBCC work right there. Yeah. So you know, from working with them. And, uh, you know, I went, they flew me out to Oregon because that's where their shoe, their footwear department is. And uh, I talked with them. I was at the table and my my interview was with the uh, head footwear, you know, the number two guy at Under Armour. So Kevin Plank is the owner. And then it was Peter Rupi, you know. So I had my interview with Peter Rupi. Not no, like, low weight. And I had it with the highest person you could have an interview with. And the first question he asked me was, like, do you want to work here full time? And uh, I said, uh, yeah, if I could work for my office in Oakland. And, you know, that didn't work for them. So uh, I didn't, I, I promised, see, I was in the military for 11 years. And uh, I got out of the military because of my children and moving so much, um, you know, living in a different coast than they lived in. It, I've seen it started to affect them. So I said, you know, the military's not, you know, it's not going to do it for me. I need to, you know, have a regular job or have something where I can be home every day because I didn't want to miss, I didn't want to miss them growing, you know. 
So with the whole Under Armour thing, um, they wanted me to work for them, but they didn't want me to work from my office or my home, which I felt like I could have did because if I'm designing, all you need to do is see my designs. And, you know, and, and I, I email them to you and you're like, okay, cool. So after that, that kind of like just rubbed me kind of the wrong way. And I was like, you know what? And I started looking up how much money like designers at these companies make. You know, some make low six figures, whatever. And that's like still not enough for me. So I was like, how? I said, I don't see how I could be a millionaire if I'm working for somebody else. So I said, what could I do? You know what I'm saying? So I said, you know what? Why don't I design my own shoe, get it produced, get it manufactured myself as an independent black man, not begging nobody else to help me, not like saying, Adidas, please give me a billion dollars so I can make a shoe, not begging Nike to give me all this money to make a shoe. I said, I want to do it myself. So I started doing the research. First, I started designing. Being that I don't draw sneakers on a computer because everything that's done in the industry, you have to do it on a computer. So you have to know how to work those compute the computer programs like Photoshop, Illustrator, and it's another one that I can't think of right now that's for like architecture. And because most sneaker designers are architectures, you know that's what they went to school for. So I didn't go to school for none of that stuff. I'm just a fashionable fly dude. I can sew, but I never went to school for like drawing shoes. So I hired somebody who used to work at Adidas. To to help me get my technical pack done so I could send it to a factory to get a sample made. So from that process, that's a, that was like, I actually did it way faster than it should be done because I came over my design in like a weekend and then uh, I, re, I redid it, you know, because you always got to make changes like, okay, let's fix this, let's fix that. So after a whole month of designing, I went into sample production. The first sample I wasn't cool with, so I then made my own sample because that I know how to make shoes, I was able to make my own sample. So after I made my own sample, I sent it to the factory and they copied it. And that's how we got the first uh, version of the Victorian. Okay, okay, okay. So now we have present day VV1. First color sequence that came out is the Veg Tans. Niggas went crazy for the Veg Tans. See, I, I flew all the way out to the Bay because I honestly just wanted to experience it on my own. You know what I mean? I saw it on the Instagram. I missed the Veg Tan drop. I came for the all black joints because I, I I love the all black VV ones. I'm just I'm not a sneakerhead though. Let me just make it very clear. So I don't want the sneakerheads killing me like, oh, how the fuck did you like the black ones over the veg tans? Cause I don't know no better. I'm not a get fly nigga. I'm a go with the trend kind of nigga. This is my first time stepping outside that box to get the VV ones. Uh I'm just gonna go from my my perspective on the VV ones. I think they're a dope shoe. I love shows with good souls, you know what I mean? And the soul is, is to, to me, is the most important part. If the soul don't look right, then I really can't rock the sneaker. But everything on the VV1 falls right. And then I was schooled to the game because, like I said, I'm not a sneakerhead. You know, I got a couple pairs of Gucci's and stuff like that. But to be honest, I got them just because they're Gucci. And because my girl is into that shit. And, you know, it is it is what it is. But I had a guy, damn, I hate when I don't know. The, what, what's Jerron. Jerron. He's a uh he's a veteran. And he was just telling me, like, yo, bro, I'm into this sneaker shit, hard body. And I just, I stopped wearing Jordans and shit because everybody rock Jordans. So all I rock is, like, Valenciagas and uh, Gucci, Louis. And I, I don't know brands like that, so I'm not, this, and this is not a big up to them anyway. So fuck out of here. But he rocks all the designer shit. So he's like, yo, the VV1s, my nigga, like, this is a steal. And I'm like, well, how is it a steal? He's like, my nigga, I rock real shit. Like, 
These niggas don't use the same leather. They don't use the same materials. Like the materials that you get in the VV1s is top materials that you can get on a sneaker. And and he only selling it for $400. Like, boys, these sneakers are supposed to be like $1,500, $1,600. And, and you know me, I just don't know no better. But I'm going to switch it over to Nice again and ask, why are you selling your sneakers at $400 when you know that you have the best materials on these sneakers? Well, <clears throat> the... And it's funny that it's people who who still email me and ask me like, "Yo, why your sneaker cost so much?" It's stupidity, man. We got too much stupidity in the community. Like, I'm not Nike. I'm not none of these companies. I'm making the shoe myself. Like, I'm doing all the sourcing. I'm not making thousands of pairs. I'm at a hundred, two hundred pairs. So when you're getting a shoe made in that low of a quantity, the price to make the shoe is very expensive. Now that's if you're still making it with cheap materials. Me, since I'm a customizer, I've always worked with the best fabrics. So I didn't want to, everybody who knows me knows me for using the best quality fabrics when I make my shoes, when I customize my shoes. So how could I then go and make my own shoe and then not use those same type of fabrics? So that's why I use the most, you know, the most, the best quality leathers. I use Italian leather, Italian vegetarian leather, suede, python, all these different things that cost money and the reason why I wanted to keep the shoe at the price point that it's at because I still wanted you know people to be able to afford it and you know that's saying a lot like $400 some people can't afford that I understand that but at $400 this shoe is a deal it's a bargain so like people who are into quality shoes I know when they buy my shoe they're gonna come back and buy two and buy three pairs because they're like yo this one shoe it's better quality than my Balenciaga shoes, yet it's only a fourth of the cost. So, fuck, fuck, fuck you, Balenciaga. So, so now they're getting a shoe that's that's not just a designer shoe. It looks better than those other shoes, and the materials are better. So at this point, being that I'm fresh into the game as a designer, I don't have a hype behind my name other than the people who really rock with me from being a customized on Instagram. So... My thing is, once they get the shoe, they're like, "Damn, I can't believe I only paid four hundred for this." So I could get, I could kill them with quality. I can't kill them with the hype, unless you know, like Kanye, will buy my shoes and wear them one time. Then now, I'm, now I'm into the hype realm because everybody's gonna want what Kanye got on his feet, or Jay Z, or somebody important. You know, somebody who who's a, a a big influencer. Being that I don't have that behind my name, all I could do is just give them the best quality, because I haven't had one person who paid four hundred for those veg tans. All my emails and feedback was like, yo, this shoe is super comfortable. Like, designer sneakers are not comfortable. After you wear them for like three hours, your feet are killing you. I've had dudes spend the whole night in a club. And the next day after he brought the shoes, he went right on Instagram and was like, yo, these shoes are still comfortable. They don't crease because I built them like dress shoes, so it's hard for them to crease. So I put all of these things as a sneakerhead that I thought would be super dope. Now, um, as you're being a sneakerhead and putting, you know, in all actuality, it's pretty much like taking an L with your price point for the materials that people are getting, which I get why you're doing it because you just like, you know, you don't have the hype beast name, but you could you could build your brand on quality, which is a good look. I want to get into a little more personal. How is a man uh, that is busy as you are able to balance the family life, because most what most people probably don't know about FBCC, because I I've been on his Instagram. He shows his kids, but that's once in the blue. You might miss it. My man is a father of three, and about to have a son, a prince to the to the whole kingdom. So how 
how do you find a balance or is there a balance or is it just i don't know i I want you to answer that well the balance is pretty easy because my kids are number one so i don't have a life outside of my kids and my passion you know what i'm saying so it's either i'm doing you know i'm designing well now that i'm not being a customizer anymore, I have way more free time. But I still run my own customizers depot website. We're about to drop a DVD series of teaching people how to do sneakers by watching the DVD, teaching you the whole method, but not teaching you the boring industry standard way. I'm one of those people, even from my military career, I would always figure out a way to get the answer by doing the least amount of work. Because a lot of people, you know, like as a kid, I had ADHD. So I know how to teach people who have a short attention span because I don't like a long drawn out answer for anything. If you could give me the answer that I need in a minute, I'd rather watch a minute video than watch an hour long video. And I make it that way so that people can learn, you know, so I'm doing the DVD, um, not doing customizing. All I'm doing is designing. I can design when I have my kids with me, you know, uh, but that's how I balance it because pretty much it's only two things in my life. I don't club. I don't do any of that right now. I don't uh, I'm not even going on vacations because I have a I I sacrifice a lot. Like I sacrifice the social life. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you have to sacrifice these things if you want, you know, to be well off in the end. So you sometimes you may have to work hard and sacrifice for two years straight. You know what I'm saying? Just to get to where you're at. Like. I'm the kind of person like I like to watch people like Gary V, all these different people who have made it and what type of things they did to make it. So like me, the more money I make, the cheaper I get. Like, you know, I make well over six figures and I have a Metro phone like I cancel T-Mobile and I got a Metro phone. Right. Why? Because Metro bills $60 a month. My T-Mobile bill is 200. Those I, I could pay a $200 bill. But why? Why make more money and get more frivolous with it? And that's one thing that a lot of people do. They make more money and they spend more money. I'm trying to reverse that. Make more money, spend less money. But I, I think you really underestimate the balance. Like you're not just a uh you're not just a single man that's starting a brand new business that has kids. You're a husband right. that has kids. Like I, I I really I really want you to get into maybe you could tell even a grown man like me or someone else that what keeps all of that bonded when you do have to work hard? Because I've been here for, what, three days now? Yeah. Bro, you probably been in the house eight hours total. Yeah, well, that's because we was opening the store, you know. Because we opened the store, so it was a lot getting getting the stuff ready. So, But usually I'm home all the time, and I'm at the store. Never. You know what I'm saying? But now that the store's open, now that's a whole new thing that I have to figure out because I haven't figured it out yet. Now, you know, my kid's babysitter got a job. So now I have to stay home because I have to pick them up, you know, and then we have the baby soon. So now it's just I have to start reevaluating right now. I don't feel like this week I've been here for my kids like I should be. You know, I was too busy with the store and everything like that. Usually when I have them on weekends, we do stuff. Yeah, they got to see me open my store. And that's great because I want them to know that their dad is chasing his dream and he's achieving his dream, you know. All this is possible because, you know, of them, because if it wasn't for them, they're my motivator. You know what I'm saying? I know I got to I got to do this because, one, I need to finance their dreams. I need to finance their living. But right now, what you said is perfect. Like, I have to figure out this new this is a new step now. Now the store is open six days a week. 
So now I have to put that into my plans and how can I make it work? So it's all like, I may have to sit down with my wife and be like, okay, how can we do this? Sometimes it's okay to ask your significant other for help. Like, yo, what could I do? Because she's a better manager than me at a lot of things. So, you know, she balances out my, my weaknesses and, and, you know, she strengthens my strengths. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of that is communication, really. So, you know, usually, like, you know, like people like me, you have a kid, right? Anybody have a kid and y'all think like life is over and all of that, but it just depends on who you are. Like me personally, me having a kid is the beginning. Like it's not over me because this is what I want. I thrive for being a dad. There's nothing better. There's nothing in my life that gives me more, you know, joy and excitement than being with my children. Like my children are hilarious. I have great kids. My kids are well behaved, you know, so I don't I don't care to hang out at a strip club or hang out with my boys drinking all night. I hang out with my kids. We have fake club nights where we'll play DJ songs and, you know, they'll dress up and I'll be dancing with my kids. Like, my life really is about my kids because you got to think about it. Some play, look, look, check it out for right now. Like, all the people who know me, who I grew up with or, or, or you know, Wayne knows my story, right? He flew all the way out here to support and buy the shoes. It's dudes that I grew up with in New York. Seen me from the beginning. They ain't buy shit that I've sold yet. You know what I'm saying? So why would I be, you know, uh, uh, curving my family or my kids to hang out with niggas that don't even support me? You know what I'm saying? I don't even get that. I don't even get that time. You know what I'm saying? I'm successful now. And I just said this on Facebook yesterday because of strangers. Like strangers support me more than people who actually know my struggle, who see me bury my daughter. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and they not supporting me, you know, but I got people who don't even know me, who heard my story of my daughter passing away and seen my documentary and like, yo, I want to support this brother. But people who actually was dead, seen the tears in real life, they not even supporting me. So like, I don't. To me, honestly, it's only it's only one thing that matters, and that's my family. My family is first, and then after that, getting the, making sure I, I'm able to be the, the the provider for them. But other than that, it's about them, you know. And even like harping back to what we had just talked about, like I'm still right now figuring out, okay, how can I do this where this is more about them and not about me because I did what I had to do. Like we're in my my sneaker room slash office, and you know Weez is like, yo, what are these shoes in this glass cabinet? I'm like, that's a VV three. He's like, the VV one just dropped. You already got the three? Yes. In one month, I designed like seven shoes. Like I'm in the process of getting seven different samples made, and then this next weekend, I'll be designing a field boot. Like I'm really designing footwear on my own. But I really have to figure out a way now that the store is open, and now that I have about four versions ahead of me that can go into production now. What do I do as a dad? All right, so let me ask you this. Not to cut you off, mm -hmm. but I got to. For people that's in the same realm as like me, like I like doing the podcasting, but you know, my job takes up a lot of time, right? In hindsight, you looking at your life 20 years in, because you done did a lot within these 20 years. What would you tell a young person that's sitting in their house right now and they're like, yo, I think I could be the dopest Whatever the fuck. Would you tell them to say, fuck working? Or would you tell them to say, fuck your dreams and take care of your family? All right. I tell this to everybody. You use your job to finance your dream. Because you be like, oh, I'm the dopest sneaker designer. I'm the dopest this. I'm going to just quit and go on this hard body. That's the dumbest shit you could possibly do. Especially if you got bills and you got kids. Now, if you living off your moms and all that stuff, I still think that's dumb. But 
If you feel like you, that's what you need to do for you, if you got that kind of uh, security blanket where you're not paying bills and you don't even know what it feels like to pay bills, then, you know, maybe that's a chance you could take. But honestly, it's not smart. Like before I got here, I was in the Coast Guard, but I started customizing again, you know, because when I was customizing in the 90s and early 2000s, it wasn't no social media. So now with social media, you can make a lot more money. You reach a lot more people. I have a hundred, like, like 107,000 followers on Instagram. So I have a pretty long reach in the sneaker community. But at the same time, I started making money off of that. And I started seeing like, hey, I could kind of monetize this. So even though I was in the Coast Guard, I was making enough money now off of shoes where my Coast Guard checks would stay in the bank. You know what I'm saying? And then I would just pay my bills with my, with my, you know, my hustle cash, I call it, you know? So that's the way it, you should do it. You should always have that backup plan. You know, if you can uh, finance your dreams, do your, your nine to five, that's cool because now you got to get it to the point where your uh nine where your hustle hustle becomes your nine to five and until that happens and you see it being not just the it thing because a lot of people forget fads and trends come and go. I always plan for when this shit is no longer going to be popping. Like next year, 2018, I'm already looking into buying the Subway's uh, franchise because I want to keep it going. I got to be ready. Go right back in. Yeah. So, like I said, yeah. So, like I said, from from 2018, you know, I'm looking into subways. I'm looking into other uh type of uh those type of franchises that you can get into with under fifteen thousand dollars. You know, subways is like one of the number ones you can get for fifteen thousand. You know, so I put money away for that. Yeah, it's just little different things. But I'm not. I I I played around with it. But before I go into it, I actually got to do my research. So I like to look up YouTube stuff and see if people got videos on. You know, how does this? How does it work? Because I still don't know anything about the franchise game. How does it actually work? Do you have to rent a spot? Do they help you renovate it to look like their stores? How much do the corporation gives you? I know you got to pay a royalty for using their name. All of that. I got to do all of my research. So that's what I'm doing now. So when I drop my DVDs, because most people who follow me love customizing, and it and being that I have a way that I can make it easier to learn, that's gonna help me be able to make another type of income. So the income from that could be my income that I say all of this money is gonna go to trying to get the Subways franchise, you know, and th- and then you make your next step. I always plan that. Whatever I'm doing right now is not going to be popping next year. So I always plan with fear. Like I grew up in a different era. I grew up in the era where, you know, uh, I would see people do crack and then become crackheads and then their life is over. Then they're homeless. So that was always my fear. I was like, I don't want to be homeless. So I learned how to do so many things. Like we touched on it early in the, in the podcast. Like I rapped. I, I painted, I did this, I did everything you could do, everything you could do as an artist visually, I've done it and I've excelled at all of those things. Like I wasn't no bum ass rapper, like I did everything that I could do and then moved on to the next thing. Yeah. And then, it came, and then it, initially it came back to my first love, which was sneakers. And now I'm winning in that. Like I never made money off of rap, but I was passionate about it and I did it for therapy. Now I'm making money off of shoes, so that's where I'm smart, right? I'm not going to keep trying to be a rapper if I'm not making money off of it, but if I'm a designer... But, but, but let's get into that therapy, because um, the one thing, I listen to Oprah's Super Soul podcast, and I know usually y'all used to me um, interjecting, cracking jokes, doing shit like this, but this is a time where I feel like we need to learn a game, you know what I mean? I want y'all to really get the reflection off of this, off of this brother, because he's not no old-ass nigga, he's still a young brother getting it. So, uh, 
when you said you did the rap thing at a part in your life because it was therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Now, this is up to you, but I know at that time in your life, that was a dark time in your life because, you know, a lot of things mm-hmm. were going on and things were happening. If you can, mm-hmm. and it's not, you know what I mean? Like I said, you my nigga. I don't want to, you know, force you into a space yeah. that you don't want to be. But if you can, give the people some of that on where you were during that time in your life and why you used rap as the art to get you out of that. All right, so uh, when, uh, you know, my first daughter was born, her name was Daily Array. We called her Ladybug. When she was being born, um, when I knew I was having a girl, it kind of changed the way. Like, I started listening to rap. Different. I was like, yo, it's so much negative. Like, you know, so, like, when I knew I was having a girl, I wanted to change, like, the kind of music she would hear. So then I started making rap, like, more in a positive way. And then when she passed away, she passed away one month before she would turn one years old. And when she passed away, like, I didn't want to write no more, you know. And then I had a cousin who was a producer, and he never knew I could rap till he heard my first CD. He was like, yo, you're so dope. So when my daughter had passed away, he was just like, you going to write about this, right? I said, no, I'm not doing music no more because I did music for my daughter. I was trying to change the world for her, you know, being her cool daddy, making, you know, making raps that I think that one day she would be proud of. And then after, after she passed, I didn't want to do it no more. And then after like, I say like a month after, you know, depression and all of that, I'll say, you know what, now I'm going to really write and I'm going to dedicate what I'm doing to her even more because it might be another kid out there I could change being that I don't have my own anymore. So, you know, I, I lost my daughter living here in California and all my family lived in New York. So that was something I had to deal with by myself. I didn't have like my family to come and hug me and be like, yo, it's going to be all right. You know, like phone conversations don't do that. You know, that's that's something you got to have in, in person. You know, so I didn't have that. So the only way I could vent about it was pretty much to write about it. And so from writing about it, it really, it really like helped me in a lot of ways get over it. You know, that with therapy as well, because you just, you know, like I, I got married before I had my child, like I wanted to do everything what I felt like was the right cookie cut away. Like I had my wife, we got we got married. After we got married, she got pregnant. Like I didn't want to have a baby mom's. Like I felt like I was doing everything the right way. And then in one evening, you know, it was all gone just because she was born as like a premature baby. And, um, you know, it, it's just complication. So, yeah. <clears throat> so she had like a, a chromosome seven deficiency. And that was like, because we lived in uh, Mississippi when uh, when my wife was pregnant. And uh, I always was like, yo, her stomach is not as big as it should be for how far along she is. You know, then my mom would be like, no, when I was pregnant with you, you know, um, my stomach didn't get big. So I was like, all right, all right. And then the funny thing is, if it wasn't for... It's not even funny, just like the weird thing is that if it wasn't for Hurricane Katrina, I probably would have never got to meet my daughter. So when Hurricane Katrina happened, uh, my wife, thank God, she was actually back here in California visiting her family, so she didn't have to evacuate. I was on the, in the Coast Guard, so I had to get on the ship and evacuate. But what happened was, being that everything was destroyed where we lived at, she had to get a new doctor, and she was told not to come back to Mississippi because the air quality is bad because of all of the damage from the hurricane and, and, you know, and all of that. So when she went to California, she had to get a new doctor. And when she got a new doctor, they, you know, they did an ultrasound on her and they noticed that, like, she didn't have enough amniotic fluid in her stomach. So I, I knew I, I was right that her stomach was something wasn't right. Her stomach should have been bigger. So being that she didn't have enough amniotic fluid, my daughter wasn't getting all of the things that she should have been getting. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so after that, they was like, uh, we have to induce the labor. So 
And the fucked up thing is at this time when my wife moved back to California, she was like, uh, she was like, yeah, I don't want to be married no more. She didn't want to be a military wife. So we were separated as soon as she moved back to California. We never got back together. So I was like, wow. You know what I'm saying? At that time, I was like, yo, that's fucked up because I told you don't get married if you ain't ready to get married. You know what I'm saying? Because this happens all the time in the military. Dudes get married and you see them stressed out in the field or on the boat because the person that they with. You know what I'm saying? Ain't ain't, ain't ain't with them no more and ain't holding them down and ain't really for that ride or die shit. They call that the Dear Johnny letter. There you go. The Dear Johnny letter. So, like, you know, so I'm like, whatever. I'm cool. You know, so we had our baby. And, of course, the ba- our baby was born five weeks early because they had to induce the labor because she had, like, they said she wasn't, uh, something was wrong with her kidney, the baby. And, uh... So she was in the NICU for a while, and, you know, they were like, oh, she's probably going to have to stay in the hospital for two months. She only had to stay in the hospital for two weeks. Every time they told the son about our daughter, she would beat the odds. And, you know, so she was home. Instead of being a dad that gets to be with his child for the first time, like 24-7, 365, I have to go visit her, you know, my daughter at her grandmother's house, you know. And then for two hours, you know, after an hour, you know, baby sleep all day. So I really, I felt the worst part about my whole experience with my first daughter is that, because of the way her mom was, like she uh-huh. stole, she stole fatherhood from me. You know, I only got, I can honestly count like on, you know, like maybe my daughter died right before she turned one years old. I probably had 20 hours total with her. You know what I'm saying? Because of her mom, you know, because of the, you know, because of the way she was, you know. So that's why now with my children, I want to be there all the time. And I want to make sure that they don't miss none of those things because, you know, it's sad to say it, but like I know for a fact like that one day my child may not be here before me. Like I buried a child before, you know? So that's like something that really sticks with me all the time. Like people, a lot of people don't know that feeling. They don't know that feeling of losing a child. You know, like I still have insomnia from it. And the funny, the funny, not the funny thing, but the weird thing about the insomnia is what makes me great as an artist because I'm not getting a lot of hours of sleep. I'm able to get use these extra hours. I use my my uptime and I, I make I make do with it because my brain is racing so much. So much stuff is going through it. I have to put pen to paper. I have to like design something. If I see it in my head, I can't go to sleep without trying to create it. So like in a weird way, like my daughter, the insomnia that I got from, you know, Losing a child is actually helping me strive to become, you know, to chase greatness now. You know, how long can I keep that up? I don't know. I really don't want to keep it alone because it's not healthy to not sleep to, to the amount of hours you're supposed to be sleeping. You're taking hours off your life. But as of right now, I'm just like hoping with it and just using it. It's like life give you lemons. You make lemonade type of cliche saying. It's true, like, you know, whatever, you know, whatever don't kill you makes you strong, you know, and if, if bricks break you down and concrete gonna build you up, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just facts. It's like, you have to use everything that is pushing you down. You have to use that in the reverse way. And that's just the only way I know how to be because, like I said before, I had to deal with all of this with no family. I had to deal with this on my own. So that's just the way, like, life hit me and and I had to figure out a way how can I turn this into something because suicide is definitely was thoughts that you have when you lose your child and you feel like everything you work hard for is now gone now see uh that's a fact because um a couple things you touched on I'm gonna touch on real quick because I'll I know y'all gonna kill me, but I, I'm not interjecting a lot because, like I said, this is a very serious episode. Usually, I'm just talking some bullshit, you know what I mean. But when I interview people, I'm gonna let them get they. I'm, I, I wanna, I wanna be the platform that let people get their shit off in, in ways other platforms don't. 
Now, as far as uh the kid uh with you not being able to see your daughter, like how you feel you could have, uh those are things that I want uh everyone to listen to that's from our culture and in our community. Like, don't take that time for granted. You know what I'm saying? Because even though, you know, my son is still alive and I still feel that burden of, damn, I'm not getting enough time. You know what I mean? And now that I live in Georgia and he's still in New York, it really makes me feel like that. And I'm having another son. I deal with that day-to-day struggle of knowing, like, damn, um, you know, uh, Kaiser's kind of going to have a better life than Jalil was able to have because me and his mother doesn't get along. So, you know, those are just some points I want y'all to really focus on how, like, you know, you really got to take yourself up out of situations sometimes so you can make it better because you never know what's going to happen. Uh, another thing I've been dealing with a lot is uh, realizing immortality. That we really, really not. You know what I mean? Any day could be that day. You never know. And I, I think a lot of us don't take that into consideration a lot. That that that's realizing my immortality has really helped me a lot with my change. But another thing you shined in on is that uh I'm firmly into that that thing with don't kill you make you stronger. Mm-hmm. And um even though you see it as a as a as a bad thing that you don't get to sleep a lot and shit like that, in my opinion, from you know, the life I live every day, sleep is overrated. <laughs> like seriously, bro. I really feel like sleep is overrated. I really feel like what you're doing won't hinder your life. And I'm not an expert on it, but I'm saying it because you actually are one of the brothers who went from the bottom to the top, had to experience the pain and all that. And ain't no Illuminati with all this shit, because I know people like to be conspiracy theorists with shit like that. But I think the best part of it is that, like, you don't like to sleep because you realize on what your hours can honestly do. How productive you really can be from not getting that, that sleep every day. Because it's not like you looking like old ass D. You still look like young D nice. Chilling. But I get what you mean where it might not be healthy. But I, I think it's perfect for you, my nigga. Because I really... Like, my nigga, that whole VV1 empire is going to be huge, bro. Like, that shit going to be... Super big, and then you really gonna be able to kick back and get sleep like a motherfucker. But knowing you, you ain't gonna sleep because you always gonna be constantly moving for that next, that next hit. You like a fiend. You got anything to say to that? That you like a fiend? <laughs> no, not at all. Because I'm not. It's Looking just for like next hit, baby. No, nah, not at all. It's just. Like you do your research right, you know sleep is not overrated. You need to sleep. Trust me, you need to sleep because there's times where like you've been here for the last three days. You've seen I have slept maybe like 10 hours yesterday. I got some sleep because I took that drink, you know, because yeah, I, I see can progress. Though. Yeah, but you see the progress. But still, that progress ain't worth my health. I got like I have a fourth kid on the way. I want to be here when he's you know what I'm saying when he's my age. You know what I'm saying? I want to I want to see him. Yeah, I want to see him be 40 years old. So if I if I'd have felt like yo you you ain't looking too good, D, you need to. I'd have told you, nigga. You to me you look better than ever. No, nah, I don't feel better. That's the thing. I feel like I'm breaking my body down. Like it may not show on the outside, but internally I feel okay. I could I could feel the difference. You know what I'm saying? And I told I said after this week, 
I'm taking a break, like a week. I don't even want to be on social media. Like I just want to decompress, cause you gotta decompress. You, gotta you know what I'm saying? Out too, bro. Yeah, you know. Well, when I don't sleep enough, that's a workout. <laughs> My body burning fat all day. I'm not sleeping enough to gain fat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I I would like to work out. I don't have time to work out. That's the whole. Nother, I only have time to do two things: be a dad and be creative. Like, if I had another hour, mind you, I still run another website. You know, cater to the customizer. So. It's hard. I have three jobs, you know, so it's hard uh, working out. That's a fourth job. I can't afford that job right now, you know? Cracking jokes and shit, just being all lighthearted bullshit, you know what I mean? I had one called Harvey Dope Dealer. (laughs) And the way I broke it down was this, right? You know, Harvey Weinstein, he's pretty much getting held to the way he getting held because it it made people feel like he had control over their whole destiny, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I took it back to the hood standpoint of, all right, what about drug dealers that they got their dick sucked by crackheads? Are crackheads going to be able to take them to court now? Because, <laughs> you know, the nigga had that crack. Mm-hmm. Crackheads feel like that shit they destiny. They're not going to remember it, though. Nigga, crackheads remember everything. Let's be real, nigga. We from the hood, nigga. They ain't said the crackheads don't the remember. Crackheads were sucking dick for crack. They've sucked a lot of dicks for crack. They ain't not even remember who the fuck <laughs> Nigga, I guarantee you, nigga, every crackhead know who, who dick they suck for crack, nigga. For real, my nigga. Because who really getting their dick sucked for crack? Unless it's another crackhead or the but dealer. You just missed the whole point that you said Harvey Weinstein. People know who he is. Nobody, the nigga who they suck, the drug dealer who dick they suck, where he at? He ain't Harvey Weinstein. He might be Jay Z. He ain't Jay Z either. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He ain't Jay Z either. You know what I'm saying? Like Jay ain't never get his dick sucked by for crack, nigga. Back then, it was some bad crackheads. I don't know about all that. It was, nigga. I'm telling you, my nigga. Every crackhead wasn't washed right when crack came out. I don't know if Jay Z sold crack. He might have just sold cocaine by the weight load. Man, how old is that nigga? Hmm? How old is Jay Z? He's like 50 something, but remember, Jay Z wasn't crack. a corner boy either. And I don't give a fuck, man. Don't try me. I know Jay-Z. I'm you fuck with him hard, but nah, I'm trying to make it seem like he's above getting his dick sucked by crackheads, nigga. I don't know. All right, let's like. take it to the industry. You think T.M. Marie ain't sucked that nigga dick? Of course. I believe she probably has. <laughs> but then again, I don't even know that. You know what I'm saying? This podcast took a turn. I don't speculate on what niggas is fucking, what niggas is getting sucked off on. Like, that's not my job. T.M. Marie definitely bought Jay-Z, bro. I don't give a fuck nobody say. She probably did, though, knowing her fucking crazy ass. Right, that bitch is loco. And all she want to do is be drunk. And she was young, too. Jay was that nigga when she was popping. But was Jay with Beyonce then? And what, what level? I, I I'm, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, was he with Beyonce at that time? Cause nah, this is, this is when Jay-Z was uh, the president of Def Jam and all that. Wasn't he with Beyonce then? I don't yeah. think he was with Beyonce yeah, he was. Yeah. Boy, all right, so let's 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 no, really get think, to it. Let's really get to it. it. We talk about Tia Marie, but we don't think Jay Z splacked Rihanna. Yeah, he was with Beyonce that whole time. I, people think it, but is it? But ha- did he? We don't know. Uh, shit, I know. You know what I'm saying? Because Brooklyn, I'm from uh, these New York projects. I'm fucking Rihanna, my nigga. Because I, I mean, like, he might fuck Rihanna the mall as bad as ever be looking, nigga. Yeah, I don't know, man. When it comes to those people, you just never know. Like, it might be too close. Maybe he liked to do his dirt a little bit away. You know, he's still a hustler. You know, you you never shit where you eat at. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you following those codes of success, 
You know, you know, that's too close to home. Maybe he's a smarter, maybe, you know, he fucking somebody we would never even thought he was fucking. That's a fact. I'm you know sure he got I, plenty of those, but a Rihanna, Rihanna looks like could a be, bitch that could take some dick and, and just yeah, keep Yeah, but you know how many chicks look better than Rihanna when you go to the UK? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I've never been anywhere, sir. So, or, or you go to P- Dominican Republic or whatever, like, it's people who don't even know who the hell you is, it's a lot smarter to do it that way. Maybe that's how you do it. Maybe he not doing something that's going to come back to him and mess up his money, his business. Because he get money off of Rihanna now. People found out he slept with Rihanna. Maybe they'll lose sales or something. Yeah, I feel you. He probably just fucking I, I think about, that, like, I'm thinking like, hope that just that. walk in the room and be like, this ugly guy? <laughs> <laughs> that might be it. Chill, whole side me one day. Don't be like that, my nigga. <laughs> this podcast might be lit. It might be. I know we went off, y'all. I got to give y'all a little bit of my bullshit and ignorance to the side. Because we got deep. We definitely got deep on that one. But I'm still here. The podcast ain't over. I hate that we got to bust it down in these five-minute increments, though, bro. Yeah, man. But that's how you sell good dope. So you got to give it to them in the quarter piece. Give it to them in the $5 bag first. Then niggas start copping that weight. Let them know that the blue tops are still here. Yeah, shit potent. Shit potent out here in these streets. Oh, shit. Nigga just went off on Jay-Z real quick. Funny shit. <laughs> I want that nigga to sound me still though. VV ones, come get those. We done? Uh, anxiety, back pain. So these niggas out here is weed experts. Yeah, yeah. Like he in the Coast Guard, he in the military. He don't even like, he don't smoke weed or nothing like that. He like the way it smell. And then when he gets out of the Coast Guard, he wants to, you know, get make make a you know a business out of it. Well, we definitely gotta go get something to eat because my nigga's stomach feeling like I gotta eat something. Oh, we need to check on the baby. Oh, shit. A baby? I forgot it was even a baby out there. I think she locked us in. Nah, it's, um, once the doors close, that shit hard to open. This nigga opened the door for all hands. She died. Oh, shit. If she died, she died. But bro, how she just died right there? Like, shit it and really died. All this time, we better make sure she ain't ingest something. No, this is what she does. Oh, alright, so you used to this. She like, nigga, get off me. Change a pimper, nigga. No, because then she's going to wake up. If I change a pimp, she's going to wake up. Now I have to deal with her. I'm going to go back to sleep. Yeah, I hear this shit. This is parenting by FBCC. Dick says, shh, shh, shh. That nigga Jerry just killed the op Boy on respect life Just for trying to break up the fight between him and me Why you do that? Sheesh 
This nigga nice just let his daughter go back to sleep with a shitty pamper, y'all. I know what he doing. He gonna be like, Sneak. <laughs> Check on the baby. <laughs> so she gotta change that pamper, dog. This nigga nice over here mailing out, uh, what's that, Soul Glow? This nigga out here getting it in. He ain't playing no games on y'all, yo. He's selling everything. This nigga selling water to whales, people. We still lit? He's so used to selling this dope, he ain't even measuring it no more. <laughs> yeah, we still lit. Because you way off topic now, I don't know where we at. Uh, we was reviews on see, cause see, I'm one of the best. I'm kind of like Nori with drink champs. Oh, just go off. Nah, I know how to get back to topic. Oh, I don't okay. forget where we left off at before we started bullshitting and joking. Where we left off at, we was at uh, I was asking about how you keep the family life balanced, and then we went into you know, you know, the whole thing with your daughter and things like that. Right. So we gonna get back around to it. We about to get into the uh. We about to get into a lot of more shit, but I think we need some some Hennessy. Not me. Why not? Too early, kid. Yeah, we on Cali time, right? Cause my body my body's still on New York time, yeah, so yeah, it's eleven forty. Oh shit! It's like two o'clock out there. I'm good. Yo, boy, we need breakfast though. Yeah, I didn't eat yet, so I can't. Right now. Yeah, I need breakfast. See, I didn't eat either, but he gave me some other shit, and it got me feeling a little woozy, y'all. Not gonna lie. I'm loving this Oakland visit. But definitely, deep in the South, kicking up top game, concrete convos. We're gonna get back into this shit. We're gonna take a little break, though. You know what I mean? Have a word from our sponsors, which is Vivi One Sneakers. You want comfort and luxury and style? Get you a pair of Val Victorians. By FBCC Bay Area Young Holla at your motherfucking boy We're gonna take a break Then we're gonna get right back into this shit Uno Never dose.